Something Strange in Oklahoma. Today I'm talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is the most recent Ghostbusters movie, and uh, by many accounts, there's going to be a new one coming out in the near future, and it took me a while to get to this one, uh, for reasons I'll explain in just a bit, but I finally saw it and really enjoyed it, which is always a good thing. So without further ado, let's get started. So I was a bit slow to give this movie a shot, not because I have anything against the creators and actors. I mean, this movie includes Paul Rudd for crying out loud or the concept of legacy sequels. Big time Top Gun Maverick fan over here. Honestly, it was the toxicity that surrounded and still surrounds the 2016 all-female rendition of the material. Not just because I think the 2016 film is a lot of fun and features perhaps Kate McKinnon's best movie performance to date, and also because going back to the originals felt a lot like a Rise of Skywalker appease the fanboys move. That combined with those same jerks saying, now this is a proper Ghostbusters movie with a ton of shade being thrown at the 2016 version, not my bag. Which is, which is a shame because Afterlife is basically a best case scenario for a legacy sequel and plenty satisfying in its own right. Years removed from the Ghostbusters glory days, single mom Callie and her two kids make a sudden move to Somerville, Oklahoma, after the unexpected passing of Callie's father, Egon Spengler. While the town only knew Spengler by his odd reputation, Callie's daughter Phoebe begins to suspect that Egon was onto something big and will need the help of her brother, summer school teacher, and newfound friend to stop a ghostly apocalypse. So I think there are two ways to look at this movie. You can either look at it very cynically or as a fun time that admittedly leans on the franchise's greatest hits to introduce a new cast of characters. Cynically, yes, there are a lot of things you can take shots at. There's a near bottomless supply of references to the original film in terms of the villain, its minions, and the fact that we're tapping into Egon Spengler's extended family. Same can be said for the presence of the original cast throughout the film and a general lack of new ideas. If there's one thing that Ghostbusters 2016 got, it was that introducing new tech or ideas was an avenue of untapped potential. And there's a part of me that wishes this movie did more with the urban to rural shift. For instance, maybe the person summoning the apocalypse figured no one would care or take people in this part of the country seriously if they started to see ghosts. And the character podcast, I wish he had any other name other than his hobby because this is the most cringe thing in the whole movie. That said, this is a crowd-pleasingly good time. Totally and thematically, we've got a good blend as we drift between comedy, action, and more heartfelt moments than honestly even the original film was truly capable of. While the movie addresses unpacking the tangled legacy of a complicated parent of complicated parent relationships. For instance, while it is clear that Phoebe is very loved by her mom Callie, who is played to perfection by Carrie Coon, you can tell that Callie understands her teenage son Trevor a lot better than the socially awkward genius-level Phoebe, and subconsciously associates Phoebe's ghost hunting and scientific obsessions with what led her father to seemingly abandon her family. Which is why Paul Rudd's seismologist and Egon's ghost are both great guides and additions to the movie, because it means Phoebe finally feels seen and like she has a legacy she can live up to, versus her mom, who seems to want her to be normal. Honestly, the most pleasant surprise of the movie is that Phoebe is the movie's driving force. 
In essence, she's picking up where Egon left off, and because she's the only one who can seemingly piece any of the science and tech together, it's up to her to get allies, put the clues together, and ultimately save the day. This also means that she's front and center in all of the action scenes, and gets to be a little badass while her mom and Paul Rudd run for their lives half the time. Big fan of handling handing off to literal kids. And I genuinely love how this movie handled the passing of Harold Ramis. Considering that Ramis has sadly not been with us since the last Ghostbusters movie came out, this could have been really dicey. What I like is how said passing is integrated into the plot, and how the movie lets him be a presence that people have complicated feelings about. Half of the main characters are pissed at him, and he leaves his mark on the plot as a literal ghost, but it's not like we have him walking around and talking the whole time. It all feels very respectful and genuine, aided in no small part via the original cast involvement and the Reitmans working behind the camera. I could go on, but in essence the movie works because it's pretty well constructed and has a lot of appealing moments and elements from top to bottom, whether it's a fun take on the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man that feels inspired by Gremlins, or even getting Bill, Dan, and Ernie to get back on screen to mug a little bit. The verdict is, it's sweet and fun. Though it doesn't break much new ground, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a lot of fun. 7 out of 10. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.